0: Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to
1: discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Chris Jameson. Jeremy Spann. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Thank you so much for coming today. Proud to be here. I appreciate you. Uh, Coming in here and gifting us with some of your time to share some wisdom. Absolutely. Being an entrepreneur, a self made man, owner of businesses manager of employees that all i mean that's all easy right that's easy stuff right everybody can do it oh yeah everybody i mean i mean i don't know why everybody's not absolutely oh yeah so my father-in-law tells me and i start every one of these off the same way my father-in-law tells me i i have to i have to do a joke in every one of these and so i was looking for a pool related joke and i had it earlier but i couldn't find it so but i did find another very good substitute what is the difference between a hippo And a Zippo. I'm afraid to ask. One's really heavy and the other is a little lighter. (laughs) (laughs) Did they get better from here?
0: Oh, no, that's the only one, right? It's
1: the only one. I mean, and I think that if anybody's going to get anything out of these uh, podcasts is my stand-up career potential – Is dead. Like it's not even, not even remote. I just need to stay creating business, and that's it. (laughs) Well,
0: knowing that is the first step, right? Yeah, right, right.
1: (laughs) No kidding. It's almost like being in a twelve-step program for what I should not go do that does not involve alcohol, or maybe. (laughs) No No comment. No comment. Well, you're still thinking of Saturday. And uh which by the way, thank you again for inviting Laura and I to come celebrate your lovely wife's birthday at B and B butchers, which
0: I love that place. I'm glad you guys came make it. It was a good time for sure. Oh she yeah. She appreciated it.
1: Oh yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. You had a good crowd of people there.
0: We did. It was uh all kinds of people.
1: Oh yeah. And the best part was is there in the deli where they had sat. Did you make that happen, or did you walk through the door and they took one look at you and said, "Oh no, 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 we're just going to put you in a different wing of this place because we see what's fixing to happen."
0: So yeah, w- very good relationship with the uh, with Alex. He's the the food and wine beverage or the, the food and wine manager, beverage manager. Yeah, um, great guy. Uh, he we met him at a uh, Capital Grill. We followed him to um, Papa Brothers, and then he's 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 at B and B now. And uh, he knows some of the group. And so when we set it up, I said, hey, just so you know, we've got some people that might not be quiet. And uh, it might be a good idea if there's an option for us to be on our own. Let's, let's do that. And he said, I've got the perfect place for you. So
1: And it was. It was. I felt like being in a fishbowl where everybody was walking by out there in Clear Fork. And seeing us in there where naturally that deli portion is usually closed and they were all walking by like, that looks like a lot of fun going on in there. And a lot of wine. <laughs> there was a lot of wine and a lot of old fashions and a lot of, I don't even, I don't even know what it, it, all I know is this is, I did not get, I my phone had received your text messages, but I did not view them till the next day. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I went home. I was sleepy. Mm-hmm. You got quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because when you were giving them the uh, warning, I uh, was probably one on the list that you were giving them the warning about. <laughs> I can either confirm or deny that was the case. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Your friends were absolutely hilarious. Where, So the audience understands this because I don't want to name people that may or may not want to be named. But both are attorneys. And one is very animated, much like I am. And one is very not. One is very dry, like Laura is, right? Not saying my wife's not funny or anything, but just introvert versus extrovert. And the introvert's a family law practitioner, and then the extrovert is a business law practitioner. And watching watching her facial expressions and responses to him... Well, it really made me feel like I was at home because I get a lot of that same thing from my
0: wife. <laughs> you could draw the lines between the two relationships, could you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in the two hours we uh, were together. Oh, man, it didn't take two hours. We were 20 <laughs>
1: seconds into that thing, and I was like, you come sit right here. You and I are going to get along just fine. And you notice the musical chairs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just a—that a, was that was a lot of fun. and uh, and it, and, I, and really kind of interesting enough, so Alex, I mean, here's someone that you've built a— relationship with that you followed restaurant to
0: restaurant that's pretty cool how how many years so it would be we met him on rangers opening day in 2014 2013 it would have been 2013 um oh maybe it was 12 so seven or eight years wow seven or eight years and uh you know, very much the same situation. We, we came in there after opening day, and uh, we actually went to Grace, mm-hmm. so, and then we went to Capitol for dinner, and um, they put us in a back room, and we had Alex, and we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Well, he definitely
1: delivers on a level of service. He does. That, I mean, which is, so this podcast called Winning Strategies Podcast, or Winning Strategies Playbook. That's the podcast and uh as i was putting this together you were one of the first people that jumped out in my mind is had to have you as a guest for a number of reasons is one you understand service and delivering that value to clients you being a business owner an entrepreneur and i was just like that's what this is about this is our target audience our high performers that really it's almost like a therapeutic session is nobody feels like they're alone because you know when you know heavy is the crown and lonely at the top it is, right? And when you get up there and you're just wondering, man, dude, other people have bumpy roads like I did, or so and so forth. So you and I met through entrepreneurs organization and we're in different forums, but our wives are in the same forum. And uh building our Friendship since then, two, and a, years, two and a half years. Two and a half years now. And uh, so let's tell the audience what it is that you do for a living.
0: Uh, we uh, own our lawn connections. It is mm-hmm. a, a full service uh, lawn and landscape company uh, from basic maintenance on up to large commercial properties uh, and then from simple, you know, flower installs to high end custom pools and outdoor living. Um, we pretty much take care of everything outdoors.
1: And so you've been in this industry for how long? Twenty, twenty-one 21 years. Twenty-one years. Well, I bet you have seen some things come and go and changes and...
0: All the things. <laughs> All the
1: things. All the things. All the things. <laughs> All right. So... Only because I know how this is going to go, and I want to make sure that um, I don't miss this portion of the topic, is being in real estate, prior to the pandemic, a swimming pool was a coin toss, 50-50. Half people wanted one, half people didn't want to jack with it. Then people were forced to stay home. With their children that they absolutely love, but maybe... Everybody loves them. Everybody loves You always love your kids. But, man, some of them probably had some energy because a house with a swimming pool right now is flying off the market. It can literally be an doesn't ugly... doesn't stay on the market. Yeah. It can literally be an ugly house with everything under the sun wrong, and they're like, it's got a swimming pool. We're I'll good. I'll take it. Yep. We'll take it. And they're trading for significantly more. I mean, we've, we've already been in limited... Inventory market with a high demand for so long that these these properties are already trading in multiple offers and trading for more than what they probably should. Um, and now they're going for astronomically more than they should because they've got a swimming pool. And so the ulterior solution to not being able to lock down a house with a swimming pool is to build a swimming pool. And... uh I think you've probably seen some adjustments in that side of the house since the pandemic, right?
0: We have. It's um, everybody wants it, not yesterday, but like last week or last month. Um, uh, you're right. It's it used to be uh, when when we're talking to a, a, a potential client or an existing client about a pool, it was a challenge. Uh, outdoor living has always been something that people just automatically went with. They were excited about it. Um, uh, pools, though, you get that, that, that conversation is, uh, you know, it, am I getting my money back? Is this a good investment? Is this a good way to spend the money? Um, you know, all those conversations would happen, and now that's not really what's being talked about. It's, hey, if this is going to happen again, we know exactly what we need to be able to to, to handle that. And it needs to be a outdoor living area. It needs to be a pool. Um, I'm tired of looking in my backyard, I'm tired of looking in my front yard, I need it landscaped. I mean, just just a completely different uh a different attitude.
1: Yeah, I mean, before people were willing to live with a lot of things with their house because they weren't there enough, right? And then not just COVID being people being locked down where they were home for sixty to ninety days, but now many people telecommuting, working from home. Just reinforces of either I'm happy where I'm at, but I want to change it by adding, you know, outdoor areas, or selling it and buying something that already has it. And so, has that picked up business with you guys?
0: It has. We've we've even been approached. Uh, we have some relationships with some investors, um, and they deal in in high end homes, seven figures um, homes that did not have pools, and they could not sell them because they didn't have a pool. And so they started writing into the contract uh, pool allowances uh, that they would pay for, and it would allow the buyer to uh, to finance that end of the purchase price. Uh, and we've the thing. And uh, you know, when I first heard about it, when I was first uh, approached about it, I'm thinking, "Are you really? you really going to do this?" And they said, "We need to do it. We need to have this." And you know, as part of it, because it's it's the reason how come we're not selling. And um, they put that that in the contract and. A house that had been on the market for three months, four months, uh, and this market um, was off the market, had a contract on it within seven days.
1: Yeah. So you did a uh, sketch or CAD drawing or whatever you might want to call it for one of the houses we had listed for sale, which I thought was really, this was a really interesting house. Um, Prior to COVID, the neighboring houses had been trading for now, like in two to three days, multiple offers. So we priced it accordingly. But this one house was the only one that didn't have a pool. And I kid you not, even though there's nothing in the MLS sheet or any of the advertising that talked about having a pool, the common feedback was it doesn't have a pool. And I was like, really, Captain Obvious? No kidding? Like, why did you, why were you going to look if it didn't have a pool? And you now your your feedback is it doesn't have a pool. Or even the seller it's like, did we put something in there that indicates that there's a pool? I said, no. And no other feedback, not price too high, not funky floor plan, not dated. Not, I mean, just no pool. So at that point, that's when I reached out to you and I said, hey, can you come over here, take a look at it. Let's do some sketches and see if, you know, we could add those. And then, the level of, some intelligence people were like, oh, well, that pool's not there. I'm like, yeah, when I sent it to you, I said, hey, there's no pool, but here's the sketches of the pool
0: <laughs> that you could build back there. And right? then say artistic rendering. Well, artistic rendering. rendering, right? Like how do you look at
1: this thing and go, oh, yeah, no, that looks real, right? I mean, it looks like – um, and then to help people visualize, because a lot of times people I think have a hard time visualizing, we had it blown up and put – taped it to the window, looking out into the backyard so they
0: could visually see what it would look like with a pool. You should have told me I can make that happen from inside the house with the the software I have. So I could have created that for you.
1: Oh, I'm making a note of that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm making a note of that. Because at this point, I was sitting there like, what? So finally we got the house sold and... Luckily, everything's good. And it turns out the people that wanted to buy it were looking for a house without a pool. <laughs> the only <laughs> just, the only one around. Literally the only <laughs> one around. Like everybody else. It doesn't have a pool. Wish it had a pool. And the poor sellers, man, they were like, if we hear one more thing about how we don't have a pool, uh and it so anyhow, it just thank you for doing that because it certainly did help us paint a picture for some of the uh showings out there. Now, you're in the pool construction business. Is there any interruptions in supply chain that have affected that?
0: um we've had some some issues with you know irrigation parts plumbing um, a lot of those come out of mexico so they've there's some, been some slowdowns with the manufacturing there um, our most of our skilled trades are um, haven't really been impacted other than the fact that the the workload has increased substantially. Um, there are pool builders that are not taking new clients right now. They're not taking appointments for until 2021. Wow. Um, we used to be able to to run through, uh, say, gunite, which is uh, about the fourth step in the construction phase. It's the it's the concrete shell, if you will. Um, used to be able to call that in as soon as we got our our green tag from uh, the belly steel, which is the steel plumbing inspection and um we could have the gunite shot in a couple days now it's taking three weeks four weeks wow so um uh, you know a project that would normally take 45 to 60 days is now taking 75 to 90 days um and so it's you know customers for the most part they understand um but there's those that just don't they don't understand how come there's an issue uh, with some of these things but you know everybody's been impacted by COVID. Quarantine is an issue. You know if you have a crew a crewmate that uh, gets sick, you've got to quarantine the entire crew, and that that slows things down.
1: Really? Oh, I could see how that puts a real big stopgap in everything.
0: It did, especially when uh, CDC required every person who tested positive to have three tests, three negative tests before they could come back. Hmm. And that really made a problem because if you had one person that was affected, again, the entire crew is quarantined for four day, for 14 days, as long as they don't show any symptoms, um, it, it can cause a problem.
1: Yeah. yeah. So with the big increase in demand and little supply of labor and supplies to be able to, to accommodate that, has that caused pools to become more expensive?
0: Um I would imagine demand is is increasing the prices um mm-hmm. you know we're very intentional about how we price um we know exactly what it costs to to build a pool well uh to create an experience for our customers that's uh that's good and we don't cut corners and so we know what that cost is and and we have real real good relationships with our uh, our vendors um and so we know what their costs are. We're not just going to go add add costs on it. We don't believe that that's the way you build relationships. Um, so, so let's say prior
1: to the pandemic, if I brought you in on the first of the month, let's say good weather, don't have to worry about any interruptions or anything else, and I said, all right, um, I want to get a pool from there to the process of design, completion, and everything else prior to COVID, how long of a process would that have been?
0: Well, let's break it down a little bit. So, Design, you know, from the initial con- uh, consultation to the time that we actually have a design, usually seven ten days, maybe two weeks, um, okay. depending on on workflow. Um, if you know, we we do a, a very good job of of talking through, uh, identifying the needs of the client, right, and you mm-hmm. know, peeling that onion and, and understanding exactly what uh, what their key issues are or what they're trying to uh, to to accomplish. Um, so our designs. Mm-hmm get really close to what they're looking for right off the bat. If there's some additional redesigns that might add another week or so to it, right? Okay. Um, so customer says, yes, this is what I want. We price it, they accept the contract. From that point, it's usually, it could be four to six weeks um, to, to come up with all the designs, all the elevation views, the plans. Uh, and then we've got to go through permitting. Fort Worth is one way. It's got to, go, it has to be signed off by the electrical companies. Uh, Dallas doesn't do that. So it really depends on in the city that we're working in, um, but usually within four to six weeks we have a permit. And from that point, um, once we we actually put a shovel in the ground, uh, you're looking at depending on the scope of work, you're looking at anywhere from forty to sixty days, forty-five to sixty days. Um, a lot of our proper uh, projects, we don't uh, we don't go after just the the cookie cutter pool. Um, we do, you know, we create a backyard. It's it's the pool, it's the outdoor living, it's the landscaping, the lighting, everything that goes with it. So it's a, it's a much more in-depth process than just simply building a pool.
1: Okay. So it'd be safe to say that from day of showing up to do the consult that it could be 11, prior to COVID, 11 to 16 weeks. Same right? to say, yep. Yeah. What about now in a post-COVID-19 world? Um, I'd say 20 weeks plus. 20 weeks plus. So even on what was the high end before, an additional four weeks mm-hmm. just to be on the safe side
0: of the the smaller side. Wow. Yeah, and you always have weather to contend with, right? Um, but this is just a, it's such a different, it's a different problem. And, and, yeah. and people are still adjusting to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, man, that's, that's really, that's really interesting. You know, it, there's, I don't think a lot of folks out there, like you said, even some of the, some of your consumers are like, nah, I get it. And some I think are just still living in la-la land. Like things are still normal. Things are going back to normal and, and yeah, everything's going to be okay. And um we, <laughs> we, we try to advise clients like if you want to pull, You probably want to buy one, buy a house with a pool, because if not, it could be well up to a year before you've got a finished pool. But by the time you get moved in, you get everything done, I mean, you you might as well bake in a year. And the interesting thing is, is prior to COVID, a pool was basically, if you built one in, it was kind of a sunk cost, right? Um, And you did it because you wanted it for personal enjoyment. And or you were going to be in that house for a very long time, or hopefully the value of the market in the area that you're in will surpass what you spent on the pool to be a part of the sell, right? Whereas now when clients call and say, what do you think? I go, I, I don't have a definitive answer for you. What I can tell you is if there was ever a time that a pool may add value, uh, here lately, it is. But I don't have enough data to show me what the future looks like yet to know, is this a temporary fix or is this a permanent
0: feature and what's going to happen?
1: Um, and I think only time will tell on those things.
0: Yeah, but I think, I mean, there were some silver linings out of out of the whole situation. I mean, you know, it used to be you drive through the neighborhood and you might see a couple of people outside. Um, during, the you know, the quarantine, you'd go outside and... All your neighbors were outside. They were all, they were riding bikes. They were playing in the yard. They were, they were doing the things that we all should be doing and we all forgot about. And uh, I mean, it was really cool to see. We did it. Um, our house was spotless. We reorganized things probably two <laughs> or three times because, uh, you know, it, it's just what everybody was doing. of stuff
1: did Amber throw away during okay. this process?
0: It, it's not the way
1: <laughs> I throw her stuff
0: away. I'm, I am I can't handle clutter. I cannot handle clutter. And so when we're sitting there looking at it, I just thought, we've got to do something about it. And I, I can tell you, I reorganized the garage three times. And we've wow. got two two garages. And so I, I redid that. Actually, you know what? I just did it a fourth time. <laughs> um, one of them. So, you know, that that was, we were, I think everybody was doing that. And I think everybody was looking at this going, okay, we've been too busy. We've been putting this stuff off. And now let's do it. Um, but you know, in, back to your comment about the pool. You know, one of the hardest conversations that we would have, um, going back again to the investment part of it, is um, yeah, the logical side of it is okay. If I if I put in hundred thousand dollars into this pool, what am I going to get back out when I sell it? Right. Mm-hmm. That's a simple way of looking at it. But what's the value that you get from your personal use? How do you quantify that? How do you say that this is this is how we're getting that back? And I think that this situation made everybody reevaluate that view to say, yeah, it's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Us being able to go out in the pool and not just sit inside, because we have kids and we've been indoors all this time, we want to be able to go out and, ex- and enjoy this weather. And And you know, the thing about... <laughs> when all this happened in march and april and may the weather was beautiful right so um, it's it's a real thing and and i think you know sometimes we have to remind people is, is what is the what is your your personal benefit that you're going to the value that you're going to get out of being able to use this it's but
1: i think you touched on that was unlocking that in people because prior people were just too busy right I mean, there's so many distractions and so many things to do that people weren't spending enough time at home to where that value made sense to them. But now, when they were at home, they were like, "Man, I, I would actually utilize that now." And I, and I do think that, based on behaviors of folks—not all folks, but you know, a lot of folks who are 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 guided by the fear of the unknown and the ambiguity of what this world looks like—we're like, "Nope, I'm gonna." I'm just going to stay in and I might as well go ahead because who knows how long this pandemic thing lasts. You know, of course you hear the politicized version of it where it's like, Oh, it'd be really interesting if this thing's over after November 4th and then people going, Hey, we think we're going to be wearing masks for the next five years, you know, and, and who knows, not. right? No, nobody knows. Thank no, you so much no, for no,
0: not making us wear No, masks no, 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 no,
1: no. Here's <laughs> the deal. So this is kind of my, this has been kind of my funny take on it is, I try not to turn this podcast into politics or religion or anything else, but I am a I am a I am a believer in the man upstairs. I'm a believer in God, and the reason is is because you're going to get your ticket punched when He decides it's time to get your ticket punched. Because if not, I should have been dead about a hundred times by now, right? So, I mean, God's got this sick sense of humor. Of I, I think I'm like cable TV for for God, right? Like I'm Comedy Central, right? You're like HGTV. I'm like Comedy Central for Him, right? And He's just just is is what it is. And so one of my Marine Corps buddies says, well, what do you think about all this? And I says, well, you know, Marine Corps did a pretty good job of trying to kill me, and they weren't very successful at it. And then the police department tried to do a pretty good job of killing me. They weren't successful at it. And just those two things aside, me and my own stupidity was pretty good at not getting myself dead when I probably did a number of not thinking through the moment. As Laura says, on my tombstone, it'll say... Hold my beer. Watch this. And if those were the three, if those three factors couldn't take me out, and it was Corona, people at my funeral were going to be like, "It was the, it was the COVID that got them? <laughs> like what? And so, I'm You know, the, the way I've I've just kind of had a view, and I I try to be respectful of people. I want to give them their comfort zone level of what they want. But at the end of the day, is if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. And and if it's my time to go, then. The man upstairs already decided that long before I ever entered this planet. So that's just, that's just kind of my view on it. So I, if somebody's comfortable not wearing a mask, I'm like, great. And if somebody wants to wrap up in a hazmat suit before they come in here, great. I'm not going to judge, right? It's to whatever everybody's comfort level is. Absolutely. Um, but I do, it's funny when you talk about, you know, people being at home and we're watching them all outside and everything else. So I would annoy my friends with going, oh, so you're doing that fake parenting. <laughs> They're like, I'm not being a fake parent. I was like, Well, let me ask you something. Is I see you out there riding a the bicycle with little Johnny and throwing the frisbee with a little Sally and having all this fun. How many times you do that for a pandemic? And they were like, none. I said, Well, it's not fake parenting if you continue that after we all go back. Then it's not fake parenting. But don't, you know, I, you know, don't don't be the parent that comes in like, you know, confuses your kids by doing it just because it's pandemic and then you go back to not doing it, right? I mean, I thought, you know, for, have you seen Garth Brooks' uh, documentary on Netflix? Okay. Great. Sorry. Whether you like country music or not, whether you like Garth Brooks or not, man, this guy was a powerhouse in the music industry It is well worth watching. And one of the things he talks about is everything that's a blessing is also a curse and everything that's a curse is also a blessing, right? And so what... COVID did was remind us of how small we really are, how many things we're really not in control of. And it did force us to go, hey, turns out family's pretty important. And it is important to tell people you love them. It is important to spend that valuable time. Laura and I kind of razz Maggie a little bit because You know, here it was, we were empty nesters enjoying that freedom and boom, she's inserted back into the home space and, uh, which she didn't want that any more than we did. We were enjoying this newfound freedom. She's enjoying being away from us. I mean, hell, she's going to college in Colorado all the way from us in Texas. And, uh, but at the end of the day, we did, we enjoyed it. Um, because we did do things as, as a family, but not to the levels we were doing them during COVID. And we said, you know what, let's make sure this doesn't stop. And, and I think that was, hopefully some people got the lessons out of it. And then, but a lot of times people have very short memories, right?
0: Yeah, they do. Uh, We, we had a lot of conversations about that, especially as we, um, started planning or talking about what would happen when, when our, our eight year old went back to school. And, um, we said, we want this to continue. Um, you know, we, the selfish part of all of that was, um, we enjoyed the quarantine. We enjoyed the time to, at home. We enjoyed the time with family. Now we were blessed uh, because our our work was essential, and you know our crews are still running. We had to change a lot of things that we had to do, uh, the protocol for how the crews went out and, and what they did, but we still ran. We were still, you know, through all of that. We were still hiring. We're still hiring, um, and so we were we were growing through that, but. It allowed us to be at home and slow down. My wife and I, just like you and Laura, we work in, in our business and it consumes a lot of our time. It consumes a lot of our conversation outside of work because that's it's important, it's important right? Um, but it makes you forget that we're also, sometimes forget that we're also parents and we need to be focused on the t- the being present and the time that we're spending at home with our daughter. And, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of professionals have this, you know, especially the younger kids. The younger kids get frustrated because they're not getting attention and they act out. And it's not that she's bad. It's just we knew what she was doing. She was trying to insert herself in ways um, to get us to pay attention. And we're at home and all that went away. Yeah. She was well behaved. She was sweet she didn't you know funny and, and we did a lot of things and we're just looking at each other we go to bed and we talk about it we're like this is what we want this is what we've been missing um you know and and for us things did slow down in in march when the market went away or went down because people got a little afraid of spending they're like okay what's the there's uncertainty how are we're going to go forward so you know at a time of the year when we're usually really really busy we weren't um and so we just were able to reevaluate that. Well, speed up to May, and all of a sudden, everybody's tired of being home, and they push on the gas, and we're as busy as we've ever been. And it doesn't sound like it's gonna or look like it's gonna slow down anytime soon. So we started, like you said, we started going back into our old habits, and we we were struggling with that. Um, so we made the decision that we were not going to send her back to school. We decided that we were going to withdraw her, and we were going to homeschool her. And we started the school year on a two week RV trip so that she could, you know, it, it took us out of the office. It took us a lot of sweet present and we went and explored this country. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we just forget about and take it granted for because we might see it on TV or just not even know it exists. Um you know, I struggle with all the the protests and stuff. This 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 country is so great. There's so much to it that nobody even knows about. People aren't going around and exploring. Let's let's put the energy into that. And so, you know, we, we thought it was really important. And she enjoyed every minute of it. We came back and we're adjusting our schedule to be able to homeschool her, go do things with her, spend time with her, and also do work. And, and the cool thing about the pandemic uh, and the quarantine was Zoom. Yeah. You know, we learned that we don't have to be in the office for all these things you know we have we have two locations we have a location in north fort worth and one in north dallas and and so you know obviously we can't always be there but taking that drive time out of it and still being able to lead our company and lead it well we're like okay well now we have extra time yeah so you know again we did start to forget that you know we got into may june july and we're like oh wait a second we're going back into the to this norm that we don't want to be. We want to go back to the the new norm that was created with, with COVID. Yeah. And so it's, now we're having to make the adjustment back.
1: Man, you you said a couple of things that I I'll, I'll, I want to unpackage here, but one of them was um, exploring this great country. There's so much that, so much. I mean, so a couple of years ago, and I've seen quite a bit. I mean, I've traveled, I've been in 40 different countries I've traveled a large port part of the US. Um, but when, you know, and as you know, because when y'all were on the trip, you stopped by and saw us in Springs, Colorado, where we have our house up there. And, and uh, but a couple of years ago, we went to Montana. My cousin runs a ranch up there and we're out driving. And this is in middle of winter and we're driving, there's no power lines. We're driving on the snow. It's for a Texan that's just weird, right? You're like, well, you, you can drive on this stuff, you know? Oh, what? So we're driving on the snow. And I mean, and we're out there. He's taking us out to another ranch that is kind of remote. I mean, there's no roads, there's no anything. It was just pure, untouched, God's country. And I mean, I was, I, Laura was in the front seat. Michael was driving. I was in the backseat. Michael finally goes, you fall asleep or something? You know, for me to get quiet, right? And I just, I was just, man, I was, I'm not a real emotional person, but man, it struck something inside of me of just going, but what struck me more than anything else, and of course, this a couple years ago as part of the protests and all this, is I went, it hurts my heart That so many people in this country, this wonderful, great, incredible country, regardless of what political side you're on, opinions, who you like for president, who you don't like for president, or any of this other stuff, 350 million plus Americans that live here, that'll never come see this. Mm -hmm. And that hurt my heart because, wow. I mean, just just this incredible beauty and then it made me go even deeper of sitting there thinking the amount of lives that men and women serve in the united states military to protect something this beautiful and it's taken for such granted that people and you and it's not an expense i mean Get in your car, it's a couple of tanks of gas, drive out there, take a look. I mean, trust me, if you're going to get a hotel right about now, it's the cheap as you can get them, right? I mean, it, it, the hospitality industry has just been decimated mm-hmm. through this. There's really no excuse. And, and, and it's like, well, I don't have the time. Well, you got your cell phone, you got Zoom on in, right? I mean, you, there, there's no reason you can't go explore this. And I'm just wondering if people actually will. And then maybe that will maybe allow this country to reconnect, to go, you know what? We might not have the same ideology, but what we do have is something in common is we live in a country that is this gorgeous and this cool and just all these elements, right? I mean, it was just, man, when that hit me, and again, it was before all the chaos that we see now, it was just, man, it struck a chord with me. And um, yeah, that's thanks for sharing that. I do want to (laughs) unpackage something that you and I have in common. Is that we work with our spouses, and how many friends or people you know that when they find out is the first words out of their mouth? How the hell do you do
0: that? <laughs> it's a it's a special thing. Um, you know, I don't know that that all relationships can can handle it. Um, we've seen firsthand some that don't. Um, I you know the. The struggles of of building a business and maintaining a business and leading a business are real, and when you put both spouses in it, um, you know you heard me say earlier: there's no separation. And I think that you know e- you either get stronger or you it falls apart. And um, the harder it was, the, the the more difficult the time, the closer we were. Um, you know, it 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 taught us how to. Uh, to communicate better, it taught us how to um, you know be able to the process and and take ownership of of the, the the situations that were going on. I mean, you know there's there's so many times that, as a business owner, you, we try to blame the the parts of the business, the you know the customer or the uh, the employee, or you know whatever the situation and and you know we've been very in- intentional about looking at the situation and saying, Okay, what do I own here? What is What What do I own in this situation? What am I willing to, to own? And what am I willing to learn from? And how can I elevate the people around me to do the same thing? And when we do that, it's amazing how much better it gets. The culture gets better. The people around you get better. And so, you know, when you live it like that, you've got to make a decision. Are you going to run the business and you're going to lead the business? Or is it going to run you? Mm-hmm. And we we said we're going to lead it, and we did. <laughs> Made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Made a lot of mistakes, but uh, you know we've we've never been closer. And it's you know every year that goes by, we get closer. Yeah. You know, you know. It, for us, the the pandemic. I, I heard me say we we enjoyed being at home. We spent two weeks in an RV. Loved it. There wasn't a single time during those two weeks that I thought, God, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get home and not be in this. No, it was great. So, So a term that popped in my head
1: is, uh, I'll just say the finished product effect. And what I mean by that is, other people that want to be business owners or... Maybe someone that wants to step up and run the company or what have you, or people that aren't even in an industry and they want to come do it, they see the finished product, right, and they're like, "Wow, I want to do that," and wow, that looks really cool, but behind that that you know we we don't often show is the amount of mistakes, the amount of pain the amount of so many things that go behind that that of course everybody wants to go do it when they look at the finished product but if they even remotely knew what it was A through Z that we had to do in order to produce this finished product, right? That tell tell me about that. Let's talk let's let's break that down, right? I
0: mean does that make sense? Yeah, that yeah, it, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah it's yeah. it's it's real. I mean we're all you know, I I've got a, a, a we've been we got to a point where we realized that we couldn't do this ourselves. I think that that's how come we got um, introduced to to EO is is you know there's a there's a part of you as a as a as a business owner where um, there's an ego, right? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of us start out we think we know everything, and and in, until we mature enough and get to a point where we can say, hey, I need help, raise my hand and say, hey, help me, help me. I, I I'm not sure what to do next. Um, it's hard to do. And once you do, um, everything changes, right? And so, um, gentlemen that we've, that's been working with us, uh, put it in a way uh, that, that really sunk in with me. And it was, you know, we're all in the middle of a story, telling an amazing story. How amazing that story is, is really up to us. And so the journey from the start of when you, you start your business um, to the end, which, which, you know, are you ever done learning? No, but there's a story there, and there's there's a story that you can tell that's going to have an impact on other people, whether or not you think it or not. It impacts other people, and um, you know, we we grew, we've we've we grew organically to start. Uh, we had some acquisitions. Uh, some acquisitions were good. We had some acquisitions that were really really bad. Uh, the worst of which is is how come I was even introduced to EO was the, you know, and so. It's taken us two or three years to fix that that issue. The you know all of the the misrepresentations that were a part of that acquisition, um, and it would have been easy for us to say, "Gosh, we wish we would not have done this." Mm-hmm. But both Amber and I can can can. If somebody asks us, was it worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Because of the relationships that we have now, um. You know, we started going back to church, so our relationship with God is completely different. Um. You now it just it changed us and. You know, the relationships are completely different than they used to be. And I, and I know that had I not gone through those struggles, I wouldn't have been able to accept some of the help or the relationships that I now have because yeah. I would have been too too immature. My ego would have been too, too big to say, oh, I don't need that. When I absolutely did.
1: Man, so four years, one month ago, We're living in our big fancy house over there, off over in Park East. Got our fancy cars out in the driveway. Two years earlier, I dropped papers to retire from the police department. But since it was an early retirement, my pension would be much smaller and wouldn't kick in for many more years still yet to come. Because I trusted some folks, and they made an offer. They didn't deliver. It was complete. I mean, wool over the eyes, whole nine yards. I didn't know anything from anything. Thought I knew, right? Thought I had the answers. I know better than everybody else. And then got there and realized a couple of con artists had not just bamboozled me, but all the other people they had recruited to be a part of this company as well as investors and everybody else. So here it was, August 2016, Sitting in my kitchen at the counter, staring at a three hundred dollar electric bill, I'm wondering how am I going to pay this electric bill? My, I mean, if I can't pay this electric bill, that's the least of my concerns. Like, right? Like my house payment is like five grand a month, right? And that doesn't include the insurance premium because we happen to be a three quarters of an inch lower than what was required to not be next to the Trinity flood, whatever that we had to pay the extra premium on each year, or the fact that I was paying like $27,000 a year in property taxes and these two car payments and get in private school and all this $300. That's uh, that's, that's, and I'm staring at it and I'll never forget sitting there and just going, I've lost everything that I worked so many years, that Laura worked so many years to build. And I was just, man, I was living in bullshit is what it was. Right. Mm -hmm. Not because of that that situation, because I had made myself, I always always love to say the biggest liar in the room is the one in the mirror, man. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have an honest conversation, have an honest conversation with the person in the mirror before you have an honest conversation with anybody else. And I'd managed to lie to myself So many times to make myself believe something, which during the process of everything that just went so bad with that is, I never did anything wrong. I never cheated anybody. I never screwed anybody. But I really probably should have asked a lot of questions that I didn't ask. And even as painful as it was sitting in that kitchen, in that moment, staring at it, and when people hear that, and they go, man, I bet you wish you could go back and change it all. And I'm like, nope, not a second of it. And I tell them, I go, look, that was hands down the most painful lesson I could have I, I, The easiest days of my life were when people were trying to kill me for a living. Like, I'll talk to my little Marine Corps buddies or PD buddies. Like, when people were trying to kill us or hurt us, those were easier days. Because it was very black and white. It was very easy. One, I knew my level of training, my level of skills, probably better than the bad guy or the enemy. I knew I could do pretty good. But now, here it is. I don't know what to do. I have no answers. I'm living in this bowl of ambiguity. I don't know where it's going to come out on the other end. But I did know one thing. I was not going to let my family down. I was not, you know, I might have failed As a husband, failed as a father, failed as a business professional, failed at everything in my life. But the one thing I was not going to fail at was doing everything I could to turn it around. And then here it is, four years, one month later, doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. Got a house here, got a house in Colorado, paying cash each semester for my to go to school, relationship with my wife couldn't be any better. And so like what you're talking about is those moments when those happen is people go, man, I bet you we should change that. I'm like, no. I said, don't get me wrong. I learned a lot. You know, as I joke around, I go, I got an MBA from TCU, but I got a PhD in business there, you know, and all that learning. And then later being introduced to EO and really at that point, figuring out, I don't think I know anything. Like what I thought I knew is not even like even the humble things that I thought I knew at that point was just, man, just changed. And then just became this, became a better husband, became a better father, became a better business partner with my wife. I mean, think about this. So here it was August, 2016, looking at my wife going, I have completely risked everything we have where we can't even pay this electric bill and her response is we should be business partners you should come into real estate and let's do this together like what 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 huh like you yeah, yeah. You're the one always saying that I've got a hearing problem. Did you not hear anything that I just said? I have completely trained. I mean, it's like two trains coming at each other with explosives in the middle. Like there is no survival rate. And she's like, no, I want to be business partners with you. Because at the end of the day, what Laura knew she could trust in me was when I screw up, I own it. Accountability is so important. And here's the thing is if you wanna shut a room full of angry people that are angry at you for something you did down, just look at them and go, Nope, that's mine. That is that is that is my doo-doo sandwich, and I brought some Tabasco sauce and some Worcestershire sauce. I wanna try to make it taste as good as again, but it's still a doo-doo sandwich, and I made it and I'll eat it. My bad. What can I do to make this better? But you look at people nowadays that just instantly It's not my fault. It's not my fault.
0: Victim mentality.
1: Victim mentality. It's not my fault.
0: I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Somebody else did it. Yep.
1: had a recent client. Worked with them for a year on a very, very simple deal and didn't want to listen to any of the advice. Deal fell apart. They lost some money out of the deal. Didn't take any advice whatsoever. And at the end, it was everybody else's fault. And it's funny because even though I'm sitting there showing the documentation of the emails and the text and the, and the LOIs and everything else going, I'm pretty sure it's all written right here, man. And we talked about this at least a million times. But, you know, but here's the deal. It, it, all right. That's, that, that's your demons you've got to go live with, right? The stories people tell themselves. It is. Stories. All stories. All stories. So speaking of stories, what in you? And when did it hit you that you were like, "I am
0: virtually unemployable"?
1: <laughs> so I've got to work for myself. When did this happen?
0: So I was uh, <clears throat> when I was in college. Uh, I went um, to North Texas, and uh, I was there because I felt like I needed to go. Uh, but I knew I knew that it wasn't the place for me. Um, so I went. Um, You know, I I grew up with an amazing mom uh, who gave me just enough rope to to hang myself and then would help me when I did. Um, And, you know, even though she was in education, she didn't really force it on me. It was just, you know, growing up at that that time, everybody, you know, the, the attitude was you have to go to college. You have to go to college. So I went and wasn't for me i wasn't i just wasn't really trying i think i skipped two or three weeks straight of all my classes and i still had a 3.59 on a four <laughs> point scale and i'm like okay <laughs> is this really worth my time is a practical is there practical use here uh mm-hmm. and so i i had to to sell this i had to sell that hey i'm gonna pay you back for what i just wasted the last two semesters but i'm gonna go figure out what i want to do with my life and um she's like okay and so I did it, and uh, I did a couple different things. I worked for, uh, I was a commissions uh, um, expert for, I started in customer service, and I ended up as the commissions expert for a multilevel marketing company. So I know the ins and outs of that. I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. Um, I then uh, went and I sold cars. And what I realized in that was that I really liked the interaction with people, and I really enjoyed sales. But I had a real issue with working so hard to make peanuts for this organization. Uh, You know, I I did work for a great dealership. I still have a great relationship with them now. Um, But I was like, this isn't what I wanna do. So I sold a a Viper to a a gentleman who was a a very successful businessman, um, and he actually offered me a job to manage one of his salvage yards. That's what he did in salvage yards. So I I went to work for him, and I hated it. I thought, okay, well, I like sales, but I don't like this. so I decided to go back to school, and, um, y- you know, I had been out of school for two years, and I had uh, established a lifestyle. Uh, I had real people bills, and, and, you know, you go back to school, and I can't really pay those bills anymore. You know, I had a, house, a condo, and I had a car, and I had credit cards and all the things. And um, I thought, well, I'm in school. If I'm going to do this, I need to need to do it. What are my options for jobs that I'm able to pay these bills? I don't want to be a server. I don't want to wait tables. So I started mowing lawns, and um, I did it for about a year on the side. And year two, I said, "Yeah, I don't need to be in school. I can make a whole lot more money doing this." And so I stopped going. And uh, you know, I, I started my first company in '99. Man, did I make a lot of mistakes, and man, did I not know what I was doing? But I thought I did. Try telling a twenty-year-old that they yeah. don't know what. They're doing. <laughs> What's that conversation look like? Right? Oh, we're gonna come back to that in a minute. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, I, I I did. You know, I I had a big vision. You know, and and the, and the challenge in businesses is, is you either have a vision. Um, and you can figure out how to make it work right yeah. you can put the plan together to make it work or you just have a vision and nothing It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah um, So um, I had the vision, but I didn't have the the knowledge of of how to lead so I, I built that to To what I realize now was very small at the time. I thought I was I was a big thing. Um, I took on uh, entered into a business partnership um, and You know, things were good, uh, but we did not pay attention to the signals, you know, going in 2008, 2009, and we're not ready for that. So we had to liquidate everything I got out of that business. Um, You know, I had some pretty significant wounds, um, and I just thought, I'm done with this. And then that lasted about, I went to culinary school Mm -hmm. uh, and thought, yeah, this isn't what I want to do. I need to go back to work for myself. Um, and so, you know, and from that point on, like you said, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm never failing. I'm going to make it work. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs, but, um, you know, I, I do technically have a boss. It's my wife and I am okay with that, uh, but I won't work for anybody else,
1: man. So you're absolutely <laughs> right. And it's kind of funny because when we say things like we're not going to fail, what we're really saying is we're not going to let anybody down. But in all actuality, is because we're, there's something wrong with us, right? It's like we got some sort of form of brain damage along the way of we want to push things to failure because that's what opens the door to the next thing, right? And failure is actually an indicator to us of something that's not working. But through experience and wisdom and everything else, we've been able to take these experiences and go, whoa, nope, not, yep, here we go, Um and so that brings me to something I heard a long time ago, and I'm just going to make a statement, and I want you to respond to it. Okay. The difference between entrepreneur spirit and entrepreneur courage.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of people that have a, the spirit, um, but the courage is completely different because there's a lot of people that have great ideas. They'll never act upon it. They're too afraid. And so they have the ideas. They have the spirit. They're like, yeah, I can do this. And then as soon as it gets tough, oh, I'm out. I failed. I, can, I, didn't, I can't do that. Um, but the courage to, to figure it out always figure it out and just know, you know what, there's a solution somewhere and I'm going to find it. That's, that's the difference between the companies that succeed and the companies that don't. And you know, you're seeing it now, tough as this is, the ones that have the courage to figure it out, they're figuring it out. The ones that don't, they're not.
1: The ones that don't are dying and the ones that do are thriving. 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 I mean, if... Someone would have told me that 2020 was going to bring the post pandemic protesting, writing, election year trifecta of anything that could possibly go wrong would go wrong in an entire year that we would double our business. You know, but I mean, that's that's the thing that, that, you know, this podcast is about bringing on guests who have reached levels of success just because of. Hey, there's a certain mentality that goes with it. Um, it was like uh, I had the three brothers from Goosehead Insurance, you know, that started on a, one little shop and grew it into a publicly traded company. And as Michael Colby said was, hey, you know, when COVID happened, it's not that we decided to show it to work. We just we did what we do by design, which is we're not going to let our clients down. And why, while well, everybody else sat on their rear ends and watched Netflix and Hulu, we, we just continued to go into work. And that's where I think the success and you know the courage of doing things is we see the opportunity, right? I mean, every, while so many people are sitting around, driven by fear and they're scared, and we're sitting there going, "Oh, do you, do you, do you see this? Are you seeing what I'm seeing?" I mean. Here it was, I had seven and a half million dollars worth of deals that fell apart, salvaged all except for one. And I looked at Laura and I said, hey, I'm going to make a big online order of a couple of thousand dollars worth of Span Group grocery sacks, you know, the nylon grocery sacks with uh, masks and gloves and koozies, and Corona beer, and I mean, just because it was, you know, Corona beer, Corona, funny. And we got the team together, and we delivered 300 bags in one day to past and present clients. It's just kind of a, everybody was cooped up for a couple of weeks by that point, and now here it was, they were like, <laughs> the Corona beer was a nice touch, right? And, uh, and actually, I had a friend later that says, man, you should have brought it to Equis, and I said, what's that for? And they were like, well, if you get Corona twice. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, but Instead, it was just a reminder to folks that like, hey, well, some people stopped working. We didn't. We're still here. I mean, some people are like, man, why did you spend all the money to go do this? Man, I was reinvesting in the team. I was reinvesting in what I believe in. Right? I mean, people come to us. I just look at them and say, look, the team is really who you want. You really don't want me. I'm, I'm not a dot the I across the T person. The team is the one that is going to bring the value. They're going to bring the thunder. And it was just that that courage, and you couldn't have said it literally more word for word of when when I talk about entrepreneur spirit versus entrepreneur courage. I think everybody wants to be an entrepreneur spirit wise, but do you do you have the ability to grind it out? You know, it's like this. And I heard this put. Um, I don't remember what interview I heard this on, but it was a it was a Navy Seal talking about how anybody could go do one day a buds Right, I mean, anybody can take a piece of sandpaper and run it across their knuckles once. But can you run it across there time and time and time and time and time and time and time, and time again and keep going? Most people don't. Most people can do it once or twice and then they're like, nah, I don't, don't really want to do that. And, uh, and man, I... I so one, one, one of the other things that uh, you had said that uh, really triggered me was you said you had an amazing mom, right? And then you got a wife, and you got one kiddo who's a daughter. You and I share that in common too, right? Is where I am very, very pro woman, right? And I'm not trying to make this sound like a poor little missy anything else. It's just I had a strong mom, right? I, I, I mean. My dad was a Vietnam vet. I, you know, I've taken some knuckles across the forehead a couple of times. And I was more scared of my mom than Not because my mom was violent or anything. It's just my mom just had that presence, that sense of authority. Where when she spoke, all the men in the household sat down and went, Yes, ma'am. And it's the same thing, you know, having Laura and Maggie in it is just um one of the one of the challenges that um I think that we we you know, without making this a big political thing or another, is um when people say, Wow, you work with your wife, I'm like, Yeah, but you know, they're like, Well, what's that like? And a lot of times there's this little undertone of like, Oh, you your business partner is a female? And I'm like, Man, let me tell you something real quick. There is no person on this earth that I trust more than her. She has got the interests of this family. She's got my interests, everybody's interests, and I can't imagine not having her as a business partner. And, you know, and I, you and Amber had that same thing, right? And which is, yeah, the the blessing and the curse, right? Blessing is we get all these great things. The curse is we don't really get to escape away from work as much as we want to because it's 24 seven being a business owner and partners, right? I mean, there's pillow talk on it. Right. And then at the same time, I would never trade that for a million years because I've been in partnerships. And the <laughs> only one I've had work out yet was the one with my wife. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're laughing. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, the I've struggled, I've always struggled with that, that uh, the, the comment um, or the phrase, you know, work life balance. Um, I, I could never put my finger on it until I I read an article that, um, you know, they're interviewing Jeff Bezos and mm-hmm. he put it just right. He's like, it's not a balance; it's harmony. If I'm good at, in, at home, I'm good oh. at work. If I'm good at work, I'm good at home. They they go together. And so, why does it have to be a balance? Let's let's focus on it being harmony. I'm like, yes, that's it. Because yeah. you cannot turn it off. You can't. Y- y- yeah. They go together.
1: Yeah. I, I just, man, that is the best one. I've, I, I can't believe I've not heard this before because I think clients understand more now. But, um, I mean, as you know, we, we split our time between here and Colorado. And people are like, oh, well, you work for two weeks and then you go goof off for two weeks up there. And I'm like, no, way. actually, I'm working as much, if not more, while I'm up there. I can just be focused because I don't have all the, push and pull of everything while I'm here. So Mm -hmm. when I'm back for two, three weeks, I get more business established. I go work and focus on it for two, three weeks. And then I come back and I earn more business. And then I go work on more business. So it's like I'm working in the business, working on the business, right? And it's that harmony, but the difference is it's not 110 degrees, it's 75 degrees. And instead of staring at steam coming off the road, looking out my office window of my house here, I can stare at the mountains while I'm still working doing it. And we've had several friends and clients that have come up there and stayed. And we purposely set it up where there was overlap for a couple of days so we could just see them and hang out. And they were like, you know, it was really funny is, I mean, I'm glad we got to hang out, but you were up before everybody else. And when we got up, all we saw you doing was working. And I said, yeah, because there's that, you know, it's not going to stop. I mean, especially when you're the owner. And one of our ways to try to disconnect is we like to go on these hiking trips where there's no cell phone signal, and that sounds magical to not—I mean, for this thing not to ring. But I do have an Inman GPS that has a text feature on it. That <laughs> all the people that are in our company, you know, not everybody's got the connection to it. Immediate family: Michelle, Lynn, and Jeremy, my general manager of the of the restaurant have access that they can send me a message if it's important, right? And so the worst that that can happen is I get a message out in the middle of nowhere that says, we got a problem, and then I can hike 15 miles for however long that takes, up or downhill, to get in a vehicle and drive to a connection to go, okay, what do we got? What do we got? But fortunately, I've got such trust in my team, they send... A a little message into Tuesday, like, hey, FYI, you're going to hit a cell phone connection and you need to be aware of this when that happens. So nobody's drawn us out of the wilderness yet, but it's still that even though I say we disconnect and we do a lot more, we still got that one little connection. And I can't tell you how many people have been like, hey, man, is there any chance I can get on that thread? And I'm like, hell no, because when I go out there, I want to be able to enjoy time and be away from everything.
0: Yeah, we, that was our trip, Um, you know, our RV trip. It was, um, we went to places that didn't have very good cell service, uh, and we were okay with it. We, I would say that's probably the first trip that we've really been able to unplug um, uh, and just say, you know what, you guys have got it. Um, Did that mean that we didn't check? Yeah. But for the most part, we, you know, when we, we, one of the places we stopped was Moab in Utah. I mean, if you've ever been there, you can disappear for days. Oh yeah. And um, You might not ever be found. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no self service. <laughs> so, you know, we're out and you know, we'd, yeah, we check in when we got back, but we were okay with it. And it was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So And this is the big
1: question I always ask everybody at the end. And I know there could be a million answers, but for the sake of time and everything else, there can only be one answer. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back and talk to a 22-year-old self, what's the one thing you would go back and say, do this or don't do this? Or what is that one big takeaway that you've got that you would go, hey, if nothing else, if you don't listen to a thing nobody else says, this?
0: Um, I know there's a lot of them. Well, you know, at the core of it, I would say grow up. Um, you know, work on your maturity. Um, get to a point where, you know, if you if you in life, you've got dependent, independent, and interdependent people, right? Most people are dependent, and and you know, it's an it's a it's a choice to become independent. You know, there's there's maturity that happens in that, but you have to say, hey, I'm willing to. Be better, I'm willing to improve and I'm willing to, you know. We talked about earlier the ownership of it. Um, but if if I can, you know, if I could reach that self and say, Hey, grow up, and and then once you've done that, when once you're mature enough, say, Get rid you know, get rid of the ego and 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 understand that it's okay to ask for help because. If I knew even a fraction of what I know now, then, oh man, you know, we had the same conversation with my daughter is, is the things that we've done to elevate, um, you know, the people that we've surrounded ourselves that have allowed us to elevate or elevated us. And, you know, the stories and the fact that, you know, in life, everything is a choice. And if you break everything that goes on in life to say, hey, you know what, it's always a choice. How you feel, how you act, how you do, those are all choices that we make. Being able to teach my daughter that at eight, and as she gets older, I'm like, "Oh man, she's gonna rule the world." If I could go back to twenty twenty year old me and say, "Hey, all the things that are going on are your choice and you're doing, and if it doesn't work, it's your fault," and have me listen to that, oh man, it would just be great. And I hope that made sense. I know I bounced around no, a little I, bit, but it's yeah, it's just.
1: So the reason I'm smiling is we've done 11 interviews so far. We've interviewed 11 people so far on podcasts. 11 guests. And when I asked that question, I really expected some of these answers to overlap. Now at number 11, I've had 11 different answers, which is just plays into that more candid response to that question. Because some people could go real easy, you know, real cliche. Oh, I would Tell myself XYZ and now uh, at some point someone's going to have to have used the same one as everybody else. I'm looking at Aaron. Aaron, our 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 producer here. <laughs> it's just get going, man. I'm almost excited. Like how far can we go? How many people can we interview before the first one overlaps? I mean, it's just it's exciting, but that is just how much wisdom is out there where you've got this many incredibly successful people where it was not a smooth road to get there, and
0: everybody's got a different answer of what they would tell themselves at 22. And the funny part of that is, is that as business owners, when we all sit down and we all talk about the the path or the story from the start to where we're at, they have so many similarities. Yeah. We, we go through that. We we have the same struggles. We have the same things. But Yeah. It impacts us. The things that we t- the takeaways are completely different.
1: Oh yeah, completely so different. Lawn connections. Chris Jameson. Somebody wants to get in touch with you. I mean, we're going to have this on the website and everything else. But uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do you? They need some. They need some good advice on some uh, backyarding
0: here. What? It, you know, we've got a, a great customer care team. We've spent a lot of time. You know, uh, our purpose right is is our employees, and we. We spend a lot of time elevating our employees, and, and we want um, all of our customers to have a relationship with our employees. And so we want we want them to call the office, get to okay. know, get to know uh, our customer care team. Um, What's we, that number? It's uh, 817-231-0042. 0042.
1: 817-231-0042. And you actually – that's the preferred method of contact.
0: And, 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 you know, the website, we've, we've got it set up. But, yeah, we I, I want – you know, with our customer base, it is important that we track. There's a paper trail for everything, um, and I'd love to say, "Hey, call me," but yeah,
1: I so, want I want to make sure that
0: it goes where it's supposed to.
1: Yeah, no, I, you're 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 hundred percent right. Is the more I am not in this business, the more effective we are. So we've removed me from doing so many things. I mean, it was kind of funny. Is do you remember that movie Office Space? Yeah. Right. And, and and the cubicle gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And finally he's like, wait a minute, I want my stapler. And he's holding on to a stapler. That's the way sometimes I feel about my own company, right? Is we're we're putting all the decisions because it's the right thing to do, because they're the smarter, better, stronger people to do these things. But I'm like, eventually I guess all I'm gonna do is a podcast. Because <laughs> everybody else is doing everything and it's more
0: successful when I'm not in the middle of it. <laughs> well, and I can neither confirm or deny the fact that if somebody calls me, I may forget to do it. So. Oh, oh
1: there's, there's, there is that. Uh, <laughs> you're reading could, a text and you get five yeah. phone calls. So. Well, Chris Jameson, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. And, um, man, I, I really appreciate your time. I know you are a busy, busy, busy professional. And, uh, and that's the reason you're at the top of your game. and That's the reason you're out here slaying it. And thanks for letting you know, our listeners have an opportunity to hear yet another great, incredible success story. Thanks for having me. It was yeah, fun. Absolutely. It was fun. It was great seeing you, brother.